Georgian bag. That's a nasty looking finger, lady. You got the face? What? No. Hey, I got your fertilizer. We made you. <laughs> Welcome back, interweb friends. This is Stop the Movie. I want to get out. Hollywood makes bad movies. We make fun of them. I am joined by Cody Wolf. I'm just too excited about our guest this week. I don't have a line. I know. And the triumphant return from our Oklahoma City Bureau, Brian Mueller is back. I, I don't know what to say either, because it's been five long years since I was on this podcast. Uh, what does one say? <laughs> you can't, you know, sometimes people do a quote, sometimes they don't, but there's nothing, nothing that would be more welcoming than the dulcet tones of your voice. You might be a little rusty, but we'll get through this. We'll carry you. And joining the podcast, and I I am saying this literally, literally as we speak, Jack Estabrook is signing into the Zoom room. I don't think his mic is active, but... I I hope Jack knows he's coming in hot here. I mean... I mean, this is this is happening in real time. So while while we let Jack get accustomed to Zoom, um, and and I'm actually going to stop my video just because that ups my audio quality a little bit. No, uh, I know. Sorry, I once you know. Wow, that's a sharp strength. looking picture, Alex. I that is look at that. That's my my uh, profile pic from uh, San Jose, California. Tinder? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um. There we go. All, All right. right, Jack, you are you are here and on. We're recording. Hi. Sorry, I'm 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 coming in. I'm coming in half loaded. That's that's right. Um. All right. Let's I thought we were doing this late. I thought we were doing this later on. So I said, "Oh, I'll watch the movie now." And then I got the message, and I was like, "Oh God, I've Did seen you- I've seen a significant." portion where i think i get the gist okay i definitely am gonna finish it regardless (laughs) well it is because all right so our movie this week is 1982's silent rage and one of the reasons i love this show is sometimes we get to watch movies where i'm just grateful i know another person who has seen it because what i have witnessed is so hard to comprehend and and this movie fits right into that category as soon as i watched this i'm like thank god i know three other people who have seen this well, and when i try to describe it to them are not going to think that i'm insane well two and a half that's really. the review that's is that the review on the is that the review on the poster i'm so glad i know two other people that have seen this it should be it should be uh, let's jump right into this one because I was excited right from the jump. Uh, did anyone have any thoughts? I don't know if anybody noticed the credit sequence or the opening title sequence of this movie, which that was is, my first note actually. Isn't it pretty good? <laughs> With the light, the, the 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 light coming through the uh, stained glass. Oh, yeah. yeah, just just like four minutes of us looking at a dirty wall and a stained glass. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Don't you wish that was how modern title sequences were done? You know, forget all of the graphical work or design work. They're like, no, just point a camera at a dirty window for four minutes and we'll put up every credit on this movie. There's a simplicity. There's a simplicity to it, I guess. I think this is the only part of the movie Jack has actually seen, so. It is the only part of the movie I've seen. Well, no, because I'm not sure what's, I mean, this was just so weird. Like, um. This There's this weird. dude. This is dude all covered in sweat who's bugging out, 
and he's in a house with a with, with with an angry woman who's shouting at a bunch of kids. They're trying this unbroken shot thing to I don't know what Bill Ten is this like his family? Is this his wife and kids? There's some other random hairy dude and a wife beater. Like I don't know what's going on here. This is another instance where Wikipedia had to save the day for me. According to Wikipedia, this is like his like extended family. Like the woman oh, okay. is like his sister or something, or or oh, the really? guy is his brother. But according <laughs> to Wikipedia, he is living with family when this All happens. Right. Um, I had a lot of questions about that too. I was like, who are these people? Um, it doesn't really find it necessary to explain that. Yeah, no. I also love that this is done. I, I have a note here where I'm like, this is like the epic tracking shot from Goodfellas or Touch yeah. of Evil, but awful. It's, it's <laughs> shaky, it's poorly composed, it's badly lit. It, it, it's At times, it seems like the person running the camera and the actor are not in sync. Like the timing is off on every, like they, there's nothing that goes right during this attempt at an epic traffic tracking shot. No. <laughs> it kind of makes me sad that, you know, in the, the five minute opening credits scene, maybe two of that could have been used for some more exposition maybe. Yeah. Why? Like, or why like not? who this guy is or where he is. Yeah, yeah. Why, why not give us something on who this guy is? I mean, I mean, we know who. Yeah, I mean, we knew who the the co-directors of photography were going in, which helps. But I would have liked <laughs> to have heard a little more about the family situation. Yeah. <laughs> so this dude is walking around. He's calls, or he or he gets a phone call from his doctor. Yeah, there's this there's this knock on the door, and this little kid in a, I don't know what. Also, he's says sleeping a, in like a full-on button-down shirt. <laughs> That's yeah. why I sleep. That's how I sleep. That's <laughs> why why he's so sweaty. In Texas, in the summer. <laughs> is, it, it, here's a question: This is Texas, right? Is is that? Uh, I am. I, I assumed it was. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, because that leads me to my other theory that this is the Walker Texas Ranger pilot episode. Um, it's like the sci-fi channel did walker texas ranger <laughs> <laughs> it was like they did this they made this movie and then they're like you know what we're gonna go in a different direction i think we'll revisit this in a few years yeah um <laughs> anyway he's get he gets his phone call gets a phone call and he tells his doctor that he's losing it and over the course of this tracking shot, we see him get an axe. And like, kind of like, it's really weird because like, again, I wish they'd given us some exposition because his family don't seem totally shocked when he is walking or, or I, we now know his family. When they see him with the axe, they're instantly like, yup, this guy's gonna kill me. But <laughs> like well, also they, they don't seem like, like he's... He's screaming, I'm bugging out. He's talking to his doctor. Wouldn't they, like, out of concern, be like, let's take you to your doctor and try to calm him down or something? At least the attempt should have been made. Instead, she's like, what? You're rude. Why aren't you saying hi to me? Get the fuck out of my house. And he's like, okay. And he goes and gets this axe. After he's in full view of his entire group, his family, yeah. Oh, I think I'm bugging out, doctor. I don't know what's going on. Oh my god. Uh, he's literally kind of like freaking out on the phone. 
And, you know, the crabby sister, whatever she is, is just like yelling at the kids and get out of my house. And I, I just think that that would have been not the reaction someone would have if they heard, if they overheard someone who they knew had mental problems starting to have a freak out on the phone with his doctor, which is why I was confused and thought maybe he was in some kind of like a halfway house. Yeah, I thought it was a halfway house as well. Yeah, yeah there were little kids there. I uh, thought that's what this was as well. Like when I read this on Wikipedia, I was like, oh wow, okay, that's that's quite a twist because it wasn't, wasn't how I read the scene. Oh. There were two questions I had about the opening part. One, when he's on the phone with the doctor, he has a bottle of pills that he's about to take, which oh, presumably does. will help calm him down. And then he drops the bottle of pills and then he doesn't bother to pick them up, which maybe that could have saved lives. I don't know. We'll never know. And then he, when he goes outside with the ax, he may have made the worst attempt ever in film history of trying to chop wood. Which is it was almost as if he had an axe and there was a, a some logs and he had a vague idea of what one is supposed to do with an axe and wooden logs. I kind of took one kind of, you know, half measured whack at it and and then it's a, I mean, he was really good at like killing people with the axe, but the wood part was, it was an issue. As well, I was I watching it, I almost wondered if he thought he was going to be out of focus in the shot, and he was like, I don't really want to cut this wood because that could be dangerous. But like, <laughs> I feel like I, it I, might I, have been news to him that he was in focus in the shot. I, I mean, I thought because it, uh, it was kind of showing him that he was just deranged and he was, you know I mean? That could be was, too, yeah. He totally snapped at that point. I didn't even think I so so he 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 quote chops the wood. He then goes into like a shed and comes out with the axe. So I thought he was hitting the wood with a stick, and then went and got the axe. No, he like he he was like chopping the wood, and then he like goes into a shed for a second. Yeah, and then comes back out and then into the house. Yeah, I don't like I, I wasn't. And sure. then she sends the kids away. And then the kids are never seen again. They don't scream. You don't hear them crying in terror. Yeah. Yeah, it was, just, it was weird. It was almost like it was, like Alex saying, like it was poorly worked out or poorly timed. So it's like, I'm going to go in the shed and hide out for a second until my next cue to come into the house or something. Yeah. Right, right. You know yeah, what's you, more fun than shopping wood? Shopping people. <laughs> it is. Yeah. He goes last year, though. I got to laugh when the, the dude when he comes back in the house and he's attacking people and who I, I thought was a neighbor or another person in the yep, house, this house is great. I guess is a yeah. family member. Yeah. I, I have a note where he kind of attacks this dude with a chair, <laughs> but not really. Like it, it's not even like WWF level, like attacking yeah. someone with a chair. He just sort of like, well, the whole, him with it. the whole shot feels like it was like a run through. Cause he kind of, yeah, like kind of lightly taps him with a chair and it falls apart. And then, the killer turns around and like kind of bonks him in the head with an axe. Yeah, like pop this and, then, is... and then it just felt like a run through, like a half speed, like, okay, we're gonna give this a shot, guys. Roll the camera just in case. Yeah. It, it was like yeah, somebody <laughs> said print on the wrong take, you know. <laughs> Maybe they lost the second take and they said, crap, all we have is the run through. Just go with it. I do love so that the woman is able to yell for help. Uh a postal mailman sees it or sees her and the police are there instantly. I, I mean, this is the, I mean, 
this is an incredible response time. I mean, there's multiple. It, it was like 20 seconds. 20 seconds of like a postal, the woman yelling to a postal worker, get help. Um, well, what drove me crazy is she like, first off, she runs upstairs like they always do. And they do again in this movie later on. Of course. And there's like a clear path through. I just run outside because she was downstairs. So she runs upstairs, runs to the bedroom, locks the door. And she has time and she opens the window and then spends like 10 seconds yelling for help instead of crawling, just crawling out of this window and trying to escape. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never seen somebody take more time. I just watched Halloween 4, and that makes this look like, like that crawling out of the window sequence looks like it's happening at like rapid pace compared to this movie where like... Right, because she didn't try to crawl out of the window until he was already in the room and like on top of her, but she had like plenty of time before that to just go out the window. I, I did, it's, It was like... Again, just kind of a poorly blocked scene or something. I don't know. And it looked like when she was calling for help, there was room to, to climb out. And then when they took yeah. a longer shot of it after, the window was more closed. I agree. The window right. was wide open. <laughs> like she took a minute to be like, I'm going to close this up. You know, air conditioning is expensive in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> it, is. it is. It was like she yelled for help and then closed a little bit and be like, oh, well, the neighbors think. And then it was too late. So then Sheriff Chuck Norris shows up. And In all his takes, glory. Yeah, well, what can only be described as a very casual tour of the house. <laughs> he just walks like, right in. This is the most casual crime scene entrance ever by law enforcement. <laughs> well, I mean, you know there's a guy in there. Now, they don't, to be fair, he doesn't know there's a guy with an axe, but he knows that there's a violent attack going on, that there's at least a perpetrator in there who's possibly armed. And he literally just, okay, he knocks on the door, he opens the door. Gun not in, drawn. He, he open nope. He opens the he he checks out the medicine cabinet or whatever. He's like, okay, he's just walking around. And I've, I think the idea is they want you to assume that like in a horror movie, this guy's gonna pop up and chop him, but it wasn't working. I also liked how Chuck Norris never said anything. Like there could like he never comes in and is like, you know, police, it's me, Walker, Texas. Like he's just like, I'm just gonna walk around the house, see what's in the closets. You know, I mean, if I come across criminals, so be it. You know. Yeah, is that stand? I mean, he's checking closets where a human being couldn't possibly be. He's like checking like the spice rack and everything. Like, <laughs> you got the feeling he was there more to make an omelet than to catch a killer. <laughs> I thought he was also scouting where he's like, you know what? If this house comes up for sale, I could be interested. <laughs> uh, and his partner is Flounder from Animal House. It is playing, first, playing the yep. same role. Basically yeah. playing the same role. After, after college, he he joined these this small town sheriff's uh, sheriff's department. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, okay. So finally, Chuck Norris gets upstairs, and the killer kind of like pops up to try to you know surprise him. And I, I forget how both of, the killer ends well, they up get into this out fight, the which was which was you know I mean I I'll give the I'll give the movie this like it wasn't one of these you know, unrealistic martial arts fights which is kind of what i was expecting of being in a chuck norris movie where there was a lot of um it was one of these it was a more tense fight where the guy's like grappling with them and they're like smashing against things and there was no music you could just hear things and you could hear the guys like and you know they keep switching back and forth and i thought okay this is a fairly at first anyway it felt like a realistic fight i don't want to you know i use that that term 
But this you is know, almost, I think, a good fight. example of why you don't want to see a realistic fight in the movie. Because <laughs> I, I have this note all the way through. This is a really, I don't know if there's a form of MMA that this relates to, but there's a lot of hugging. There's just a lot of, like, yeah. attacks by hugging in this movie. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. jumping ahead, I, I think one character dies via hugging. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, and it's funny because, you know, it's Chuck Norris, they want these martial arts scenes, but he's a cop, so he has a gun. So they have to make him, like, two or three times in the movie, like, he just loses his gun immediately in a fight. So they get in a fight, yeah. So in this scene, like, he comes in the room, I think he's got his gun drawn at this point, and he, like, loses his gun immediately, and then they start rolling around the well, floor. They did kind of have that cool shot when he did draw his gun, where, like, they had, like, the real close shot of the gun as he was walking up the steps. That was probably the coolest shot of the movie. That was a pretty good shot, yeah. And let's yeah. just say... He pulls the hammer back. Exactly. And the first of many times that Chuck Norris is rolling around in bed with someone else. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. Uh, um, so then the fight scene moves outside. Chuck yeah, they fall out the window. shot by Officer Flounder. Yes. Um, and mm -hmm. the other cops. It, yeah, and they... they, they no, like, one else, no one else assists. Uh, no one else uh, runs uh, after uh, the suspect. So, yeah. like, the whole thing of this movie is he ends up being, like, this superhuman guy. But he's, like, superhuman, like, in this scene, because he breaks out of his cuffs, then just straight up kicks the, the, door, the open. door off, not even opening, like, kicks it off of the, the cop car to escape. Yep. And then he gets shot, like, eight times, once with a shotgun in the chest, and he survives. Well, so and I, I, I love this, too. You're right, because this, this guy breaks the handcuffs kicks a, a door off a cop car, grabs a cop's gun, and the first thing Chuck Norris says is, don't shoot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. like, no, no, this is a case where you probably right. should be shooting right. him. Like, <laughs> and by now, the his his doctor has shown up, too, and he's at the crime scene. Yes. So the doctor is also yelling, there. like, don't shoot, because he doesn't want them to shoot his, his client, because he knows Patient. he's a crime. Yeah. Yeah, now, I thought this was I thought this was a his psychiatrist, right? In a normal movie, you would think, okay, maybe this no, guy's on is. some. This is but no, because he's perf he's performing surgery, and the next uh, scene, he, it's the same doctor. He, when he's performing surgery, they said, "Oh, we should have stuck with surgery or something like that." Yeah. But that. why would he be in the room performing surgery if he's a psychiatrist? He, he was a, a surgeon at one it's point. A small town, everyone's multi-town. <laughs> They're doubling up. I laughed sure. so hard at that. I'm like, he's a psychiatrist and a surgeon? Like, okay. Psychiatrist, surgeon. Yeah. I <laughs> think he just got bored with surgery and went to psychiatry. And yeah, he's, he's not very good at either. He still dabbles in, yeah. He still dabbles in surgery sometimes. Come on, come on, give it to me today, today. Come on, give it to me. She's like, it's in his hand. The scalpel's in his hand. And he's like, give it to me. He's such a bad psychiatrist that his, his patients get shot all the time. So he has to then operate them. <laughs> they do. They do. Man, eight times this year. <laughs> so, they're, yeah, so they're working on the killer guy, and then they come out, because Chuck Norris is also at the hospital. He's shirtless, just standing in, like, a wig yes. with no shirt on. And the doctor is the great line where he's like, ah, I think your, your muscles will be tender for the next couple of days. I thought he was going to start feeling him up. I thought he was going to be, like, poking at him. I was like, oh, please don't. <laughs> he yeah. didn't. 
But for some reason, he was like leaning in. He was like, your muscles are going to be kind of sore. And then this big open space, Chuck Norris is there with his hands on his hips and the shirt off. And I'm like, they could have been like, "Um, sir, we we examined you in an examination room 45 minutes ago. You can put (laughs) it on now. You're just in the waiting area. No shirt, no shoes, no service. Yeah. You know what this Uh, made me wonder? I haven't seen uh, really any Chuck Norris movies um, before this. But was he like the original Matthew McConaughey and just like every role he was in, did they just like write as many shirtless scenes as possible for him? I don't know, but I, it got me wondering. You think they did get a fair amount of them. I mean, it's like, I mean, and, and the funny thing is, by he's in good shape, but it's not sure. like he's like, you know. Well, it's not like the modern day kind of like cut, oh, yeah. like goes to the gym in shape, yeah. It's like Roger Moore's James Bond good shape. It's like it's like Roger yeah. Moore's James Bond in shape. That's what we'll say. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, I, you know, Officer Flounder is very impressed because this is a research hospital. You just feel like a, a hospital where you work on monkeys, something like that. Yeah, and they're like, sure, man. Yeah. Um, and we kind of find out this is where the movie takes a turn because the a romantic these- turn. Well, well, there are two. That's oh, yeah. right. Oh, yeah, sorry. that's pretty. I, I jumped what ahead. Is it? Go ahead. That's also pretty, pretty random. Yeah, um, because we find out that Chuck Norris has a romantic history with a woman who does unspecified work at the hospital. She runs the lab. Though I think we never see said. her in the lab. Right. No. She seems more like a secretary, but maybe she's yeah. Like, like this is some like, real room, like the, the file room or something because she's giving out files at one point. Yes, yes. This movie yeah. does not concern itself with people's jobs, relationships, motivations. Just, just enjoyed Chuck Norris shirtless. They're yeah. just there. That's all that counts. <laughs> he bumps into his old. He bumps into this girl and she slaps him, and it's clear that this is an old flame. Yeah. And meanwhile, the doctors in the research, quote, research part of the hospital are pumping the killer guy full of just some kind of magic juice that are, they're going to make him into, like, bring, that will bring him back to life. Um, I yeah, don't know so, if any other way to describe it. it it's so, just so like... So basically, yeah, the patient, the, the guy's, like, dead. Like, they kind of save him, but he's, like, brain dead and he's not going to survive. And so the one doctor's like, well, we have this formula we've been working on. And this is, we haven't tested on humans yet, but this is like, what do we have to lose? Why don't we test on him? It's like this, I don't know if it's like a superhuman serum or something, but it's supposed to make him like invincible. Or so I, I don't know what the point of this serum was, but that seemed to be what the point of the serum was or whatever it was. Like a super soldier serum or something. Yeah. Yeah. It convinces him, you know, look, let's not do this. This is morally, this is unethical, you know, yada, yada, yada. Well, I think the main objection wasn't like using it at some point. It's more just maybe we don't want to use it on the, you know, half-hearted woodchopper crazy guy. Right. Oh, yeah. Which, yes, which the, the psychiatrist makes that point, And so they do, do it behind his back because he's like, no, this guy's already like insane. We don't want to give him superhuman abilities. Oh, that's right. Because the, because the Geiger counter is going, look at his brainwave pattern. Is that even more crazy? This we need a scientist like, on here. Was is that a? I I I question that scene. That that's really how brainwave charts are made. I might be wrong. I believe it. I buy it. I think that's correct. One hundred percent accurate. Well, not now, but 
in the 80s. Oh, yeah, sure. That was... <laughs> I think there's an important point at this point, just from the structural aspect of the movie to note that, so this is a movie where they're basically making this guy into a Frankenstein's monster. They're bringing yes. him back to life and like, but he's not gonna come back in the same way. No other than the three characters in this scene, Ron Silver and the other two scientists, Mm -hmm. No other character in this movie ever knows that they are dealing with a Frankenstein's monster. Like, to everyone else, it's just like, wow, that's weird. What's that guy doing? That's true. <laughs> Nobody ever finds out about what happens. It, it's hard to even call it the plot of this movie because none of the protagonists ever know that this is going on. This well, is yeah. Even at the end of the movie, this is unknown to Chuck Norris. And that's one of my biggest issues with the movie is it feels like, like every character is in a different movie. Like there's a scientist Frankenstein movie, there's the Chuck Norris, whatever martial arts, Texas Ranger movie. Yep. There's the deputy comedy routine. There's yep. the romance movie, the, you know, semi-porn stuff with Chuck Norris. It's like all these different <laughs> weird movies that never really come together at all until kind of the end when Chuck Norris stumbles into the Frankenstein movie. It, it almost feels like a shortcuts style movie or something like that, where you're like just uh -huh. different plot lines happening that, yeah. I was, I found it hilarious that at no point the writers or the directors were ever like, should Chuck Norris know that this guy is a Frankenstein? Nah, it doesn't matter. But he does think that that guy's dead. So, and, and yeah, there's never that, there's never a scene when he comes back later on where Chuck Norris is like, oh, I thought that guy was dead and now... I'm fighting him. He's just like, hey, yeah, yeah. He's he's zero percent surprised when he sees that guy. He's like, oh, that dead guy's here. Okay, I guess I'll be fighting him more. <laughs> more fighting. Um, we do get the first of the Chuck Norris love scenes. And I, I will yeah, pay he, one. He really creeps on this girl. She, he finds out. Well, first of all, we find out that she is the psych, the psychiatrist surgeon's sister. Uh, sister. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that sheriff! Should have been sheriff. the title of the movie. The psychiatrist, the psychiatrist surgeon's <laughs> sister. The psychiatrist surgeon's sister is introduced to Sheriff Chuck Norris, and he's like, "Oh, we've already met." And uh, he's like, "Why am I the last one to find out I'm your brother?" To like, you know, make sure that the audience knows that they're brother. A relationship that was five years ago. <laughs> I know, right? And then she says. He says, hey, can you give me a lift? Chuck Norris tells her, hey, can you give me a lift? And she says, I don't want to, but I will. <laughs> okay. And then they're in the car and he starts like feeling her up, like it really, like in a creepy, uncomfortable way. And she's like, you know what? I don't want this. And then the next shot, they're in bed together and she's topless. And I'm like, oh, what just happened here? Well, Jack, I'll explain it to you later what happened. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not like he turned on the charm. It was like she was clearly like, I'm not sure, you know, it's, and then I don't know if that would fly in a movie today, maybe. I, I don't know. She was playing hard to get. It was the 80s. You play hard to get. Oh, yeah. You get it. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's really important as the viewer at this point, because now you're taking it in. You're like, okay, that psycho killer is now been reanimated and he's some kind of Frankenstein's monster and it looks like he might be invulnerable. Okay, audience, forget that. Now Chuck <laughs> Norris and Officer Flounder are in a diner where yeah. a gang that seems to have escaped from an A-Team episode has set up shop. Uh, like, I, was, forget, I was thinking that too. 
Well, guys like the white Mr. T. Yeah. White Mr. T. They are what my mom would have thought a motorcycle gang was in 1982. Like, just like a ridiculous collection of like tropes and just like absolute, like it's, it's, it's really funny how far they lean into like what you would, a, a middle-aged person's vision of a biker gang stereotype would be, you know? It was like the wardrobe designer who just went to like a Goodwill shop and closed their eyes and just the first three things they got their hands on was going to be the wardrobe for these bikers. Right, right, yeah. And and if some of it was, was leftovers from a... Um, uh, a village people music video, that's fine. Like, good enough. Somebody will wear it, you know? Well, my, favorite uh, thing, my favorite thing in the movie happens in the scene, though, uh, <laughs> where one of the biker um, gang is this woman, and she's, like, got a low-cut shirt, and she goes up to uh, to the deputy, and she's, like, flirting with him, and she opens her shirt and shows him her breasts, and, and he's, like, all enamored, and, and Chuck Norris is like, go outside and call back up. So he goes outside and they keep cutting back and forth to him in the scene where he's just on the, the radio talking to whoever's back at the police station, like explaining this or describing this woman to him. And like, I think I'm going to go ask her out. And Oh, they were the best I've ever seen and stuff like that. Where he like never calls me up. This movie made me like laugh for unintentional comedy. And it made me laugh for intentional comedy twice. Right. This was really funny. Like, yeah. Um, and later on, when Officer Flounder, when they confront this gang, and Officer Flounder walks into the bar and goes, "All right, all you mother effers up against the wall!" Like I, I laughed out loud. It was very, very, yeah. very. The comedy movie that Flounder is in actually works on a couple of occasions. Right. Yeah, that should have been the sequel with him. Oh yeah. 100%. But we'll get into that later. Uh, well, the thing that struck me about, so yeah, so they, they encounter these three bikers at this diner and then like Chuck Norris and, and Flounder are driving around and they see the same bikes parked outside of this biker bar and that's when they confront them because Chuck Norris told them to get out of town. It's like, man, this biker bar, like presumably it's a weekday because they're all working and it's like the middle of the day and like this biker bar is is hopping for like, I don't know, a Tuesday afternoon. Like yeah. people are like taking body shots and dancing on yeah. the bar, and they've I guess taken the the bartender. Uh, they've tied him up to a wall. Um, I mean, this is a I I, I wouldn't mind partying at this place. I mean, this place is yeah, but it's happening bar for like you know middle afternoon on a Tuesday in a in a pretty rural Texas town. They know how to party. Yeah. Um, but this this fight scene is ridiculous, though. It, oh, yeah. It's just every stereotypical fight scene where it's you know yeah as as you said, Alex. They they send he sends Officer Flounder out to call for backup, and it's just like twenty five on one against Chuck Norris, and you know it's just the stereotypical like nobody attacks him like at once. Everyone's j just like lining up one at a time to get their ass kicked by Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> I'd line up for that. The scene is just so it, it doesn't belong in the movie. It's like a whole, it's like a slasher movie, and then you just have this biker gang, you know, martial arts scene. It's just like, hey, let's get a martial arts scene in here. It's it like a roadhouse, walking tall scene injected into this movie. It's a, it's a Chuck Norris movie. It's a requirement. It's weird because the guy's like fourteen. He's got like fourteen black belts. I, I can't <clears> like. 
is this biker gang going to come back in some way? Right. But no, they don't. Their movie is over. Like that is one of the four movies ends in this scene as Chuck Norris just kicks their butts one at a time, including a guy who for the, the main biker guy who tries to ride his bike out of the bar. And even though Chuck Norris, it's, it's like four minutes of setup. You can see what Chuck Norris is about to do is about to hit him with a pool cue to knock him off the thing. The guy still goes along with it. It's almost like he knew like, yeah, I mean, this is going to look pretty cool. <laughs> I, why is this guy's bike in the bar, too? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Why is this bike in the bar? And why is there a ramp leading through a window in the bar? <laughs> I, I, had to, I had to rewind that because I was like, wait a minute. Did they build a ramp to, to drive a bike through a window? Like, they were, they were turned up on a Tuesday. I mean... I figured at some point during the fight, like a table got tipped over, and like <laughs> I was like, that would be such a just in case we need to make a quick getaway. <laughs> let's build this ramp inside the bar to go out the window. You never know when we're gonna need it. Can you imagine? But, you know, how... Everyone has a plan until Chuck Norris shows up with a pool cue. Right? Can you imagine how awkward it must have been bringing the bike in there, like how like just right. gently like wheeling it around tables, and probably the other bikers are like, I mean, come on, Bob, really? Like, do you? And he was like, Look, we may need this later. This is, I know, this is taking a long time, but it's worth it. Okay, it will pay off. Yeah. This is why they had to tie the bartender up. He would never have allowed something like that again. Right, right, right. Somewhere uh, in here, we also got what is my favorite moment of the romance subplot of this movie, where the hospital administrator, um, psychiatrist, surgeon's sister, sits down with Chuck Norris after their first love scene and says, I feel confused about what happened last night. Do you know what I mean? And Chuck Norris says, no. <laughs> is this written like what where is this from we just said do it just just have a conversation and yeah. just improv it yeah i i laughed at that for far like i had to pause the movie because i was like that's a that's a real dialogue scene written shot and edited <laughs> that's perfectly what? done I had to wonder because I was reading something on Wikipedia, and they actually did say something about how they like they wanted Chuck Norris to like improvise a little bit. So <laughs> oh, they did. Wonder, maybe this was one of the first times he had to do this, and then they gave Chuck Norris the line. He's like, "Oh crap, what do I say here?" Uh, no, <laughs> they were like someone. They took Chuck Norris to improv school. And where normally the theory of improv is yes and, but then Chuck Norris misunderstood. He's like, oh, I know it's no, and then just don't say anything else. That's that's the core of good improv. Wow. He's, just such a, he's just such a charming guy throughout the whole movie, and then he just dropped the ball there, and then it almost cost him a very meaningful relationship. Yeah. I also don't know what goes on at this research hospital, but I know one of the doctors was eating yogurt in the lab. <laughs> which was disgusting to me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know their lab protocols, but yogurt should not be involved in any... Those are active yogurt cultures in there. They have to experiment with them. Yeah, there's <laughs> enzymes in there. Um, we also... I, I know I'm jumping around, but we also got... So there's another scene where... So the girl was doing this, like Cody said, like this kind of like playing hard to get thing. 
But then she shows up at Chuck Norris's house and basically says to Chuck Norris, like, hey, do you mind if I turn off your shitty jazz music for a minute? <laughs> like, well, I was confused because he turned on that, he put right. on that like record that was like, you know, the record you put on when a woman's coming over. And he was shirtless. But he didn't know she was coming over, but he puts it on like two seconds before she shows up. <laughs> wow. And then no. she's immediately like, this is terrible. Can I yeah. stop this? <laughs> and it's so loud. <laughs> like, why are you playing a record that jazz music's so loud? And what's, yeah, of course, Chuck Norris doesn't have a shirt on. We should bring that up as well. <laughs> that was in his contract. The blocking in the scene is so weird because, like, she comes in through the sliding door. It's, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it says, I was in the neighborhood. And she, like, sits down and then he sits down. And then she stands up and he stands up. It is it, this was just so bizarre. I don't I don't like I, I really think a lot of this movie was improvised, and I'm not sure that was a great idea for Chuck Norris. I I agree. I agree. And then we I mean, I think on this show, we we've all expressed our love for montages in 80s movies. Oh um this is a truly epic montage. This is again. This is a horror slasher sci-fi maybe cop movie where we get a montage love scene slash like just like I don't need this is it's hard to even describe this without showing it. I mean, but you're suddenly like, first of all, the, the song that's playing is just keeps saying it's time for love. Oh, oh I'm sorry. This is I'm out of the movie now. I didn't see this part. Uh, uh, Jack, it's gonna uh, get really good. Yeah. It, I'm gonna it, finish it when we're done. I know that doesn't help us now, but it just turns into like a music video for an adult contemporary song where you're seeing like, <laughs> Chuck Norris and the lady in a hammock and like just kind of standing there on the porch and like Yeah, well it was like shots like that, and then like every other shot was like done in bed. Yeah. So it was like basically like date night and sex night. <laughs> you know what bothered me so much that one scene when they're in the bed they have this whole like tray of champagne and like a charcuterie thing and it's like they obviously made it for a reason it's like it's a nice bottle of champagne and food and everything and it's just laying on the bed and then at one point like Chuck Norris starts like pushing the thing off the bed with his foot it's like why, why did you put it there in the first place and where did that come from was that delivered yeah Wow. I don't know, because according to the montage, all they're doing is, like, having sex the whole time. But at some point, they decided to put together, like, a breakfast-in-bed champagne-type thing, and then they don't even drink it or eat it. Yeah, and it's very elaborate. Like, there's no way Chuck Norris put that no, together. No. And, no. And On a humble policeman's salary? No way. <laughs> right, that's right. And it just gave me so much anxiety. Like, are they actually going to push this off the bed? <laughs> <laughs> Someone who appreciates a good bottle of champagne and some smoked meats and cheeses. That's just that's crazy. a lot of money there. That's that's a solid. Someone else could enjoy that. It, 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 yeah, exactly. And Charles be pointed out this montage. Um, you know, if you weren't really thinking about it, it almost appears as if this was like done over a whole weekend or multiple days. Right. I, I think it's maybe what an hour or two. I think it is. I think it is because they're like when they are in clothes, it's the same clothes. Like this, the location never changes. It's all at the house. I, it, they just go from the bed to the hammock. Yeah, yeah. With more food on the ground. Yeah, I know. Ugh. 
and, and we well, should I, well they do they do show them drinking the champagne later so that that made me feel a little better about it <laughs> the champagne <laughs> was probably warm at that point it was room <laughs> don't you feel like chuck norris was like look somebody on this production paid for this champagne i'm drinking it get we shot <laughs> so but at the end of the scene Chuck Norris and um, and the girl are on like the balcony or whatever, and he's like, "Hey, I've got a cabin like in the mountains or whatever. Do you want to go and spend the weekend there?" It's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Okay, let's let's go now. Go get ready." And like, I was convinced because he really had nothing to do with anything at this point in the movie that they they were just going to disappear and be at the hey. cabin for the rest of the movie. Because I'm like, he has no connection to anything else that's going on. Yeah, like, I, I was like, how does this come together at any point in this movie? Because he's done nothing except fight some bikers in this movie so far. Because the structure of this movie is so weird. Ron Silver, the psychiatrist surgeon, the, like in the scenes with the other doctors is sort of the actual potential good guy, except he's not a good guy, but he's like, uh, I don't think we should be doing this. The voice of reason, yeah. Yeah, this is bad. They, at one point, like some crazy, like you were saying, some crazy like 80s like graphics show up on it, like, I don't know, art shows up on a screen and he's like, oh, this DNA looks weird. I'm like, no, that looks real weird. Yeah, um, I didn't understand that at all. It was it was like here's this genetic structure. It looks this this is what it was before, and this is what it is now. And it's like a perfect genetic structure. And it's just like this weird like art on the screen. Of the, I wanted someone to be like his genetic structure is now psychedelic. Like right. <laughs> how do you read that at all? Yeah, I, I don't. So he's but but so he's kind of the good guy ish in the. Because well, he, it, it, it's there's a revelation that he works for the main doctor who's bringing right. Nicola back to life. Um, and who's that guy who's also a surgeon and some sort of like genetic scientist or something. Genetic sci everyone's everything, you know. Um, and at one point, he's just a prescribing doctor. We'll get to, we'll get to that later on. He's just like a doctor, doctor. Um, but it, and, and so finally he like kicks Ron Silver out. Now, does Ron Silver think to go to anybody and say, uh, yeah, that, that crazy psycho killer, he's been brought back to life using technology that is wildly, wildly unethical, if not completely illegal, and this is really dangerous. No, he goes home, talks to his weird wife, who is an, an artist, and they discuss if her cinnamon cake is shitty or not. <laughs> It, it, and who's going to pick up the pizza? Yeah, who's going to pick up the pizza? I mean, you, you, if you're Ron Silver at that point, you got to be like, what the hell? Like, what is, what is going on? This is not the time to be discussing birthday cake. And the next Man. sequence in this movie really confused me time-wise because it felt like it was over the course of, like, hours, like a night. But apparently it was not. Apparently it was, like, 20 minutes. Right. Because uh, I think they cut back to the... because so, he and his wife are like, you know, talking about who's going to pick up pizza. She's like, I'll pick up pizza. So she leaves. And I think they cut back to the lab and um, and the killer, I can't, Jack, I think his name was. Uh, I. Jack Kirby gets up and like, <laughs> whatever. Jack Kirby. And I think it's John Kirby. And, um, and uh, so then they come back to the house and like all the lights are off in the house. And like the, uh, so I thought this was like later on in the night, but the psychiatrist comes downstairs and he like turns the light on in the kitchen. He eats, he takes out like a giant like salami out of the fridge. And cuts <laughs> like, the giant knife. Why did they do that? <laughs> well, I guess they introduced the knife. So I thought he was getting up for like a midnight snack and then he like goes down, he turns the lights off, goes back in the basement or down in the basement and he has like a um, dark room down there for photography stuff. And he's also and the a photographer. Like, <laughs> <a> <laughs> yeah. 
So the killer, then he, he's been watching, he comes in the house and it, it's a straight up, um, just rip off of Halloween in the scene. Um, the first scene of Halloween, it's just a, just a POV shot of him coming in the house, and, like grabbing the knife and like walking through the house. And he goes out in the basement and like attacks the psychiatrist and there's this whole scene with them. And then, so he ends up killing the psychiatrist. Well, and- but, but before he kills him, we're proven that, that Ron Silver may be a psychiatrist, surgeon, professional a photographer. photographer, but he's an idiot. Because he, he, Ron Silver knows that his that the killer's wounds heal instantly. But when Ron Silver shoots him, he's like, "Up, oh, got him dead." Like, <laughs> twice, one guy twice who knows. Twice, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, this happens twice. Yeah. So then the wife comes home with the pizza, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, how long did it take her to get the pizza? This only this must have been like half an hour, maybe." Right. Now that so. So then she comes in the house and, and she finds her husband dead and she freaks out and then the killer comes in and he, he kills her. Yeah, he kills her. And then- well, she makes the standard horror movie mistake where she actually kind of gets away hiding in the attic and then she waits I, 10 minutes and is like, okay, she'll be good now. I'm yeah. sure he left. I'm sure I mean, psychotic killer with a singular focus to kill everyone just gave up. Yeah, and I don't know why he didn't just go in the attic and kill her. Like he waited- at the bottom of the attic stairs for her to come out. Well, that, that's one of the things they call this movie "Silent Rage," but the killer really has no rage. In fact, he seems rather playful in the right. way he likes to. Like, it's really not—I don't—not not really that mad about anything. He sort of thinks this is fun. Maybe yeah. just silent rage of the audience having to deconstruct this movie, which could should really be a simple hack and slash beat 'em up action flick. I, I also have to say, Ron Silver does some of the best dead body acting I've ever seen. <laughs> when he's like hanging on that door, he really commits to it. And but his, he's, like, his, his eyes are moving though. I don't know if you saw it. When, they, when she like closes the door, his eyes start moving like he's looking where he's, he's going. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Oh. But I thought it was. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. No, I, I was gonna say that we're jumping a little ahead. That scene, yeah, where his, his, yeah. he's hanging on the wall, but it's like I thought it was funny when they when they showed his body like that. Like I was thinking, like, man, that's kind of a ridiculous pose to have to hold. But I'm like, all right, give him props. So they open the door, and then so so they open the door, and you don't see his body with the door being open. But then the door like starts to swing close again, and they held the shot long enough to put him back on camera hanging like that. I'm like, poor Rod Silver, like. It must have taken all of his acting chops to hold that for one shot, and he had to do it again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but this is where, like, the movie becomes, uh, again, like a straight-up, like, slasher movie because the killer takes the, the bodies of the two he killed and, like, hides them so that someone else will find them as, like, a scare, like Michael Myers does, you know, in every Halloween movie. So he, like, takes the wife's body and the husband's body into, I guess, the sister's bedroom and, like, hangs his body in the door and puts her body under the covers and... So she'll find them. It's just like that's just straight up like slashing. Don't want anyone to trip on the bodies. Oh, I'd have misread that though. And and then if I understand the movie correctly, the killer just goes down to the basement stairs and goes to sleep, sitting on the basement stairs. Is that is that how everyone else read that? Because when the the yeah, psychiatrist surgeon's sister hospital administrator comes in, she goes through the house for a while. She finds the body, she screams, and then we go to the shot of the killer sitting on these like dark basement wooden stairs. He's like, huh? 
<laughs> like, like I didn't know what he was waiting. Like, if he knew she was, because he wouldn't know she was coming home unless he just figured she would. But I don't think he knows anything about her, or you know what I mean. Like, I don't, I don't know why he was just hanging out in the house. Yeah, I don't know. Why he even find the house to begin with. I don't I, know. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. So then, Chuck Norris is this when Chuck Norris does come over? Yeah, she he comes, comes over to out of the house. Yeah. Um, she makes like the one smart decision by a person in a horror movie. She's like, I gotta get out of this house. Yeah. She goes running outside. Chuck Norris happens to be there. He's like, you know, well, he's trying gonna to comfort her. her. Yeah, he's, he's gonna pick her up because they're going to the mountains. That's right. That's right. He's gonna pick her up to go to the mountains. And, and in a company car. You just yeah. You just know in the scene that his character's thinking, oh, I guess I'm not getting any tonight. Yeah. <laughs> she comes and, running out of the house covered in blood and something's obviously wrong. And then the killer runs, he like observes like uh, the, the hospital administrator sister and Chuck Norris sees them and then goes running through the back of the shot like he's Malcolm McDowell in a Rob Zombie Halloween movie. Like, what, where is he running to? Like, this guy seems to enjoy one thing, killing. But at that moment, he's like, oh, I got to get out of here. Because well, he didn't even attack the sister because she like ran right out of the house. So he didn't get a chance to. Like, again, I think he was totally shocked that she was there. I don't know, like, what he was waiting for. Right, right. So they, I, okay, so this is where, okay, so Flounder brings the girl to the hospital. Chuck Norris is like, uh, bring her to the hospital. She seems pretty shaken up. And they bring her to the hospital, and Flounder's like, hey, do you have anybody who can prescribe something for, you know, her, like, a sedative? And the name they bring up is the other doctor the doc, like the reason so like this guy is like everything they're just like oh we just need someone to prescribe he's I got the doctor out of the basement <laughs> he's know? the doctor there's well, no other doctors in the world well also earlier in the movie when chuck norris is getting treated like in the beginning after his fight um they they make a comment like oh this isn't the traditional hospital you're the first human patient i've treated in years Right. So then when they bring her to the hospital, they bring her to that place that doesn't treat humans and only has one person that can prescribe things, and he's dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Normal hospital in this town. <laughs> I guess that was the days before urgent care and everything, but still. Uh, yeah, go to your primary care physician. Yeah. That is true. It's not a hospital. It's, it's the institute. Yeah. Like hammering home the point that her brother is dead. Like, oh, we could we could get you a prescription, but the only guy that can fill out prescriptions is your brother. And well, you know. I kept thinking that by bringing this the hospital administrator sister to the back to the hospital, that she was then going to find out what like Ron, what the research doctors had been doing at the Frankenstein thing. Nope, doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> there was no reason to bring her to the hospital other than the fact that they probably already had that location and they're like, ooh, we can squeeze a few more days of shooting here. I got uh, a tuber. <laughs> yeah. So so John Kirby, the killer, goes back to the hospital where um, the two surviving doctors are like, he's like covered in blood and stuff and the one's like, I think, what if he kills someone? And then the evil doctor's like, he didn't kill anybody. He could have just gotten into a fight. Someone could have just shot him and what if someone was trying to kill him? Yeah. Right. And so he gets. <laughs> he might he have gone into those bikers. <laughs> so then he gets a page, and, and uh, the secretary, whoever, is like, uh, "Hey, uh, Chuck Norris is here. He wants to talk to you." And, and so then Chuck Norris comes in and tells him that his doctor friend is dead, was murdered. 
so then he kind of gets like, oh, I, I guess I, I guess that guy maybe did kill somebody. And and then the other, the taller, like shaggier haired doctor, sort of get, starts getting a conscience, and he he comes up with a couple of real like great lines where he's like. Oh, no one's gonna give us the Nobel Prize for murder. <laughs> okay, like probably true. Uh, and then he's like, "All right, I guess we got to call an end to this." And then he come, the other one that had me almost fall out of a chair. He's like, "All right, well, let's go give the sheriff his corpse." <laughs> what? What is happening? What is in that yogurt he's eating? Yeah. So he, the shaggy-haired doctor, goes to give a different injection to John Kirby, not the magic juice that makes him invulnerable, but apparently, like, other drugs that will kill him. Right. Gives him this, but then just walks away. And then moments later, when he sees John Kirby walking around in the tunnels of this research hospital institute, he's like, John, is that you? Yeah, yeah, dummy, it is. Who else would it be? You also know that you've made this dude invulnerable. Like, who else would this be? If we take a step back, just think about the fact that every person that killed, thinks they killed John Kirby is surprised when he comes back to life. Yeah. They, they all know he's, in, he's invincible, and they are surprised every time. And yet, the one guy who doesn't know any of this, Chuck Norris, is seemingly unfazed every time he kills John Kirby and he comes back to life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even to the point where, like, I guess we're jumping ahead, but there's a point where even Chuck Norris, like, rolls his eyes. He's like, oh, God, okay, that guy's still alive. Oh. Oh. The, 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 the lead, the, lead uh, the, the, like, I guess, I, won't, I hesitate to call him the bad doctor doctors are kind of bad but the the worst of the bad doctors though you know that the head guy it's like he uh he is just so swayed like every moment it's like he goes from one moment like you know when the other doctor yogurt eating doctor questions him about like oh what if he killed someone oh what if someone's trying to kill him and then like a line later he's like well who cares if he kills 100 people yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when, when Chuck Norris, uh, when he and Chuck Norris are talking and, and they're he's questioning him, he's like asking for like patient information of Dr. Silver, and he's like, Oh, why would you need that? That might take a while to get. And then Chuck Norris is like, Oh, well, like if he had any other other patients that might want to kill him, he's like, Oh, I'm and I'll have that to you as soon as I can. <laughs> we'll get right on that uh, i also love, i love that we are now like we're like an hour 15 into this movie and for if you're the chuck norris character basically this is just a normal week other than the fact that your ex slash current girlfriend's brother seems to have been murdered other than <laughs> like this is a normal week things are just seem to be proceeding as normal for me, Chuck Norris, a guy right. who's a sheriff. Um, Just a couple of murders, a bar fight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, he cleans he cleans out bars every day, I assume. That that was just a normal... Well, I guess now we know it's a Friday since the weekend's coming up because they had their big yeah, yeah. cabin outings planned. Yeah. 
That's true. I also, among the many things that made me laugh, there's a bunch of shots with Flounder from Animal House in the hospital room with the sister hospital administrator, where he just is like, they're, they're literally just like comedy bits that they shot where he goes over to like the uh, refrigerator that you're not supposed to, like the, uh, you know, chemical, you know, chemicals are kept in this refrigerator, refrigerator yeah, yeah, yeah. or he like pokes around different things. And I was just like, what? This is where I think you're right, Brian. I think they probably were doing improv and Flounder was like, yeah, no, I'll, I'll improv some bits of me walking well, around this room and, and I'll, I'll give you some stuff to work with. There's that whole scene we didn't talk about where he's telling Chuck Norris about how he accidentally killed his dog when he was a kid. That was like just clearly like a comedy relief improv scene. Yeah. What? The end of the movie. Yeah, they say, actually, they do say on Wikipedia that that is an improv scene and that yeah. Chuck Norris did not know that's where like Stephen First was going with that. You could tell because Chuck Norris didn't say anything in that scene. <laughs> I know, that's what I know, that's what I said. You can clearly tell the scenes where there's improv because Chuck Norris, like, response just says, no, or, okay. Or just stares at him. Yeah. <laughs> Great improv work. Yeah. And he does, then Officer Flounder does the thing when, he, when he's in the, the hospital room with the, with, the, with the sister, Chuck Norris's girlfriend, where he does the Robert De Niro, you, you talking to me line. Uh, yes. Done. Yeah, it's just rough, man. It, it is some rough improv scenes in this. Well, I mean, I, I guess what maybe maybe we're uh, I, I don't know what's all improv, but boy, if, if it all is, it is that was a rough decision by the director. It's pretty rough. I, I, I either I, that or the, uh, the screenwriter uh, at one point was just like, hey, <laughs> just do whatever. And so now, so the 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 worst the worst of the doctors gets um, gets killed, and the um, you know like the and, and he he weirdly seems like prepared to die. Am I reading that right? Well, I wasn't sure how it. it sorry, I didn't mean to step in right there. You were called out. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I I felt like the scene was. Because the other doctor is killed too a minute before this, and um, the the bad bad doctor is like he almost seems happy that because he's like only three of us know how we did this and now the other two are dead so I'm the only one so he almost like I'm going to be the one to get all the glory and the, the money and the prize and stuff and then like he doesn't expect to be killed by by his creation. Yeah. It was just kind of like, okay, like, I mean, hey, doctor, you know, maybe you should have saved the rest of the world. I don't, you know, but all right. I mean, they're um, all right. No one's going to get the Nobel Prize when people are dying for murder. Quite some foreshadowing there. Yeah. And uh, so now, now basically the killer, John Kirby, is just like roaming the hospital. Um, he bear hugs Officer Flounder to death. I believe, in a in a very lengthy sequence. Am I am I wrong in my interpretation on that? No, I I I, I was that, that I was shocked when uh, when Officer Flounder died. I, it just kind of seemed like he might need to go to the chiropractor the next day and get his back adjusted, and it went from a slight maybe you know spinal injury to uh, he's dead. Yeah, he's, he dies. I mean, I mean, it, it basically was like a move you would see in like professional wrestling, you know, like you know the backbreaker type move when really it's not that big of a deal. I mean, arguably, 
mean, I, I don't not even arguably like Bane does ten times worse to Batman's back than what this guy did to Flounder. And somebody tried the same exact move on Chuck Norris earlier in the bar scene. <laughs> that's a good point. That was unsuccessful, yeah. but now this time it works. I'm gonna tell you, man. That's why you gotta keep your core and you know your you know do those exercises. Like it's it could be life or death when Chuck you're fighting with Frankenstein's Chuck, Chuck Norris. Yeah. Chuck Norris is in much better shape than uh, Officer Flounder. This really movie is a testament to ha to having a good strong core and lower back. I liked Officer Flounder's dying words were, "He hurt me bad." <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap for Stephen first, everyone. It's funny because I saw it because he goes, he, he goes, he hurt me. And I'm like, he's going to say he hurt me bad. And then he did. I was like, oh my God, it was just such a dumb. And like, one dumb final run. brilliant moment of improvisation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, you got one take. Let's go. <laughs> and, so now, and, and predictably, I think Chuck Norris just responded like, yep. <laughs> you did. <laughs> too bad. <laughs> I'm going to go off now. You have a good one. <laughs> so now the rest of the movie is Chuck Norris and and his um, lady friend versus John Kirby Frankenstein's monster um, with just a series of things. Like, you know, at one point, he they, there's just a lot of, like, sort of like Chuck Norris fighting. The, you know, John Kirby gets thrown out or falls out a window, I guess. I think he gets shot, and then he, like, propels out the window propels out the yeah um you know and at one point the the lady tries i don't even know how to describe this stunt and i and i'm using the word stunt very loosely where she bumps john kirby kirby with a truck she doesn't hit him with a truck but he she sort of like nudges him with it but his reaction is like Basically, if, if he was in playing soccer, probably a ref would have been like, stop flopping, you know, because <laughs> he seems to go flying from a very limited nudge from a truck. Yeah, they, they, well, they get him into a spot where he's like incapacitated on the ground and they're in a car and it's like, man, just run over his head with the truck. Yeah. And yeah, he, yeah, she just like gives him like a gentle nudge just to like, I don't know, it's... It was bizarre. They they had a chance for the kill shot, and she didn't go for it. There's a decent stunt sequence here where the stuntman climbs, like climbs up onto the back of a moving truck here. Which I mean, it's this is a terrible movie, but like this as a stunt, this was like not bad. I was like, wow, that's impressive that 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 a guy did that. Um, I don't think there's a lot of people who could pull themselves up onto a moving truck while it's going and probably yeah. while wearing some kind of safety gear. Yeah, uh, yeah when, he, when he's hanging on the back of the truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't bad. That was probably the best part of the movie, honestly. It was, I was, I, I had- Aside I, from the, the, the montage. Like, yeah, pretty good, and, and the montage. So they end up, this scene made, I don't know why this was so funny to me, but so basically Chuck Norris realizes, oh, John Kirby is coming in through the back of the truck. So he basically pushes the lady out of the, out of the moving vehicle. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, what's he going to do? No, Chuck Norris jumps out of the moving vehicle too. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. If, if, the, if John Kirby had then jumped out of the moving vehicle, I would have been like, great. <laughs> like, this is just the thing to do here. But yeah, he, just, he tries like steering the vehicle from the back. Yeah. Instead of just bailing himself. 
and the truck crashes. I don't know what trucks were made of in 1982, but it appears to have just been made of gas. Nitroglycerin. <laughs> <laughs> Instant explosion. It, I love not it when things explode that wouldn't explode in real life. It explodes, and then there's a secondary explosion. I don't know what what would have caused a secondary explosion. I guess there were two gas tanks. I don't. <laughs> Um, and John Kirby comes out, he's totally, they do like a pretty, a mediocre man on fire effect. Um, and Ch this is where Chuck Norris's character basically does an eye roll where he's like, oh God, okay, he survived that too. Um, yeah, once again, Chuck Norris, the only person that believes that he can't be killed, even though he has no, no previous exposure to the backstory or has no knowledge of what is going into this guy's like genetic makeup yeah he, he, he's the only one that basically accepts like okay yeah this guy can't be killed i'm not gonna ask questions but but i am gonna karate him <laughs> you know so john kirby puts himself out in almost cartoon-like fashion by jumping into a river then comes out of the river and it's like good to go and we get what i think many people were hoping for which is chuck norris versus frankenstein karate fight uh, <laughs> it does not disappoint it does not it, it does not and I, I think we've talked about this in the show before i don't know what the opposite of chekhov's gun is but then all of a sudden it's just like oh here's a well <laughs> you know like it's not been set up at all all of a sudden it's just like oh yeah they just happen to be standing near an open well yeah right next to a body of water like the river yeah what would yeah? What would Chuck Norris have done if he hadn't that happened upon that well? I know. I don't know what he would have. I mean, would the fight in theory have gone on forever? I think it would have just been like three more hours of like. We got in a montage of the fight, just them fighting, and then dissolves into them fighting in other areas. <laughs> How about the fake scream? Did anybody else enjoy the fake scream when John Kirby does finally get thrown into the well by Chuck Norris? It's not even like they didn't even try. I mean, like it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I, can we just go back real quick to the point where, like, you know, once again, the standard '80s and probably even to the '90s trope of like, you know, the girl's there, she's just on the sidelines watching the fight. They cut to her like eight times, and every time it kind of makes it look like she's about to do something to help, and then she's like, "No, I'm good. I'm yeah, gonna see how this how this fight plays out against this indestructible guy." Yeah, yeah. Every time she's kind of like. I think Chuck Norris has got it. I think he's got it. <laughs> <laughs> There's that one point where she finally decides to like help him when Chuck Norris is about to get thrown into the well. And she like jumps on top of, of John Kirby. And then she's like just holding on to dear life, uh, holding on to his neck. And then Chuck Norris comes up and just like throws his girlfriend off of him in the fight, like had no regard for her safety at all. I saw that too. I was like, I hope she's okay. <laughs> like that looks dangerous. That, that's one of the that's most dangerous things I've seen in a movie. Yeah. She, like at the end of the movie, he, he does not give a crap about her. He's throwing her out of moving vehicles. He's throwing her off of John Kirby. He's just like a one man wrecking crew at this point. I love that when they were in the vehicle, by the way, he doesn't even say to her, jump. He just pushes her out of the car. Like, she doesn't even get to like- an accessory at this point. Yeah. Oh, so he throws him in the well and then 
the girl is like, is it over? And he's Chuck Norris is like, yeah, it's over. And I'm like, why? Why would you believe that based on what you've seen in the past like 20 minutes? There's nothing for you to believe that this is over. And spoiler alert, it's not. It's not. The movie ends on the crappiest freeze frame of the killer's face popping out of the water. But it's like the freeze frame has got like so much motion blur in it. It's I mean, it's terrible. Well, I like too that like it's that classic ending shot from a horror movie where like the killer's still alive, but he jumps out of the water in the well. He's still like, I don't know, however many feet down, you know, into the well he is. He's he's not getting out. Right. So he's just going to be stuck at the bottom of the well alive. For... Wouldn't it, they, they would have been just so much better off if they showed, literally just inserted a shot of him popping up out of the water and seeing like a really dark tunnel or something like off to the side of the well and just his silhouette uh, going yeah. out through like a dark tunnel. Instead of like this goofy, what looks like a freeze frame of a VHS tape, you know, <laughs> of him popping out of the water. So crazy. Um... All right, I'm excited to do the, uh, let's do, I want to do the So Wrong It's Right first, because this is really, that this one is wild. So this movie was remade in 2009. What? As a low-budget, a rather low-budget movie called Indestructible. Okay. Okay. How many sequels... Does the does the re remake of this movie have currently? I'm gonna say three, three sequels. Okay. When was the year it came out? Uh, 2009 was when oh, Indestruct- Indestructible, the low. They the low could button. they they could pump out one a year. It's possible. It's not likely, but it's possible. I'm gonna I'm gonna go high and say that you, it's got to have at least seven sequels. Oh, wow. okay. You think this is Avatar? <laughs> <laughs> seven sequels? <laughs> uh, well, we had three and seven. Yep. I want to price is right and say two. Cody, <laughs> Cody takes this one. There are three sequels. There's Indestructible, 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 Indestructible Afterlife, Indestructible Afterlife, Indestructible Reckoning, and then this year in 2020, Indestructible No Place to Hide came out. Wow. Yeah, they they look pretty low budget though. Who is in? Who is is is, is there like a main guy in every one? I like think it's like, it's like a low budget director who I think just keeps churning these out. Um, so I want to give a couple of quotes from the director that wow, are this really on the is a Wikipedia. Of the synopsis. Okay. Um, they said the remake director. Oh no! Th- no no! This is the actual okay. Silent Rage got director, it, it. Michael Miller. Okay. Um, let me, let's see. So one, one of the better ones, uh, Michael Miller, the director says Chuck Norris was most comfortable fighting. The actor improvised a love scene with Tony Kalem and that was a big deal for him, said Miller. I said, just talk and have fun. I told him he did. And it's a nice little scene. (laughs) 
This is where the narrator's voice should come in and be like, it was not a nice little scene. That's <laughs> <laughs> the development style. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was. was not Nothing really happened. Nothing Wait, really what? happened in that scene. Wait, yeah. what? What did they, what scene, uh, a lo like love scene is in like. I'm assuming it's the first one where they first. I'm get assuming it's the one, yeah, the one that I saw. Where like, oh, she, like, car? like, oh, my ribs hurt. She's like, did I hurt you? He's like, no. Oh, that scene, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the no and the theory of improv from Chuck Norris. And yeah, I think it really is easy to identify which scenes are improv. Just look at, look at whatever lines where he only gives one word. <laughs> look for the confused look on his face. This is one of the great quotes of any movie we've ever done. Director Michael Miller says, um, I don't think this was one of Chuck's favorite pictures. <laughs> he went to the screening and I think that was the last time I ever saw him oh he seemed to enjoy it but he wasn't sure it was going to work it was outside <laughs> of the formulas he'd been doing he's too much of a gentleman to ever say I don't like this <laughs> <laughs> but well, I, you gotta I, give him that you gotta give him that he's a professional I, I thought that this, like, the point of doing this movie was it was, like, different from what he, he was trying to, like, do something different from the martial arts stuff he had been doing up to that point. There's, there's one more great quote from the director. Um, he says, the reason Chuck Norris wanted to do the picture, and I think the reason we all wanted to do the picture is because it was a major studio picture. <laughs> <laughs> what major studio oh. back to this? I think this was, um, what was that? Oh, it was a Columbia Pictures release. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, this is, I, I mean, this was really, really something. And Jack, I think you are very much gonna enjoy the rest of it. I gotta finish it. I thought we were recording <laughs> later on today, sorry. I usually watch yeah. the movies the day of. So I come in fresh. I would see where you get, would get confused though, because the messages say 12 p.m. on Sunday. So where, what, what messages? <laughs> I, saw eight, I saw 8 p.m. Then I saw Saturday. Then I saw Sunday again. I will say in Jack. We'll talk about this off. A lot of times we're getting thrown around, and it did. I, I do. I feel I have sympathy for Jack because we were kind of thrown okay. around out it's there. It's okay. It's my fault. But his last message. I take, I take responsibility. His last message literally was. Tell me when and I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Did I did I not well, see maybe I didn't see maybe I didn't see that message. Maybe I didn't see it. Technically he lived up to his word. He is yeah. here. He never said he was going to the movie. Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Ugh. All right. So let's do a round of is it so bad it's good? Um Brian. The triumphant return. I'm going to let you go first. Is, oh, you do say noon. Yeah. Is Silent Rage so bad it's good? Uh, I would say definitely yes, because for me, as someone who watched a little bit of Walker, Texas Ranger over the years and have appreciated some of uh, Chuck Norris's work, I've always thought the one thing that I missed seeing him in is, you know, the tender romantic side of Chuck Norris. <laughs> And seeing just him rolling around in bed and just, you know, having the time of his life, I felt like I've seen Chuck Norris in his most uh, primal and natural state. So for that, <laughs> I'm going to give it a big thumbs up. 
Um, Cody, what do you think? What do you, so uh, bad, good? You're a, I mean, Cody, you're a slasher movie fan. You're a horror movie fan. Well, yeah. Well, before we started recording, I said my, my thing with this movie was I couldn't figure out what it was supposed to be. Like, even towards the end, I'm like, is this supposed to be a horror movie, like a slasher movie, or is it a martial art? Like, I wasn't, and I think that's why I would say it's so bad, it's good, because there's so many different weird things kind of crammed together. They're not even mashed, because they don't fit at all. They're just crammed together into, like, scenes from different movies that kind of come together at the end, but not really. So just for the, the wackiness of that, it's, it's so bad, it's good for me. And Jack, I know you intend so far, to so good. the rest of the So movie. far, so good. I don't know why you guys got a problem with it. So far, so good. I I agree with everyone. I, I think this is a this is a so bad it's good movie. And there was a point when I was late in watching this movie where I was like, what would have been like if you were a producer on Walker, Texas Ranger, and then you became aware of this film? <laughs> like the kind of thoughts that would have gone through your head of like, oh, whoa. <laughs> oh, this is concerning. They can't. They can't all be a a a uh, a pictures. Sometimes you got some bad ones in your repertoire, and, and that's the beauty of this too. This is a straight up Roger Corman level movie. There's a <laughs> of, like weird nudity in this movie, which oh, yeah. is, like <laughs> yeah. very strange, like Roger Corman level nudity in this. Yeah, movie. At, one point, at one point I'm like, they're just trying to get nudity in this because, like, the bar scene, there's like women just kind of like taking their shirts off for no reason, and then it's like, oh, okay, like you're just trying to cram it in. Yeah, it's really strange, but yeah, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I laughed out loud a lot during it. This is a, a very, very fun movie. Um, highly recommended for me. Um, I feel bad for Chuck Norris. I think he tried to do something. I think they were trying some things and it didn't really work. But um, you know he what? We all got a lot of entertainment out of it. So he got paid to do it. He's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. All right. We will be back very soon. We will have Brian on again very soon now that we have really? mastered yeah. technology. Yeah. Absolutely. If you'll yeah. come back, Brian. Yes. This is, you know, I felt a little rusty today, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, it was good to get these reps in and, you know, hopefully, you know, I'll be, I'll be better next time. You know, I, I tried to, you know, learn from the Chuck Norris School of Improvisation. Um, you know, maybe next week I'll, or next time we do this, I'll, I'll just kind of have more no's, yeses and <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeses. Um, but no, I'll work on that. A lot of dead stops. You can really yeah, yeah. take it one podcast at a time. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Well, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to bite off more than I can chew right now. Um, we'll open up more of the playbook for you next next time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is fantastic, and uh, like I've always said, I mean, you know, boy, pandemic. What this is great. Look at all the advances we've made. Um, yeah. We've learned how to use yeah. Zoom. As close as we have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, perfect. Well, good times here. I'm gonna, we'll bring this to a close and see everyone back here very soon. Mm -hmm.